Hello and welcome to Rallon's Rant. I'm your host, Richie. If you don't know that by now, you probably have never listened to the podcast in the first place, but I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Colin Judge. Colin, first and foremost, is a friend of mine and secondly, is just back from the Paralympics where he represented Ireland in table tennis. So there's a huge amount to get through. CJ, I'll refer to you that if that's okay. If you want, I can mix that between you, uh, CJ and Colin. But how are you getting on? I know you've you've just come back from your holidays, and how are things with you? I'm good, Richie. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling refreshed. Uh, this interview is well timed. I'm feeling a lot better than I was uh, pre Croatia. Um, yeah, feeling good. I need a couple of days of recovery as well. Last few nights were pretty heavy on the drink and uh, made the most <laughs> of our time there. So. Uh, yeah, I'm feeling better now and looking forward to our chat. Absolutely, yeah. So it was, as I was saying, alluding to even before I did the introduction there, like it's it's very much a, a conversation I've been very much looking forward to and especially during COVID where you don't necessarily get to see the people you want, circumstances change and our Christmas parties aren't, uh, they're put on the back burner for a year or two. <laughs> so we don't have the annual... Uh, catch-ups and stuff them. like that oh i know haven't we all but I, I was thinking it's the same when i had other guests on like what's the best opener but i suppose just even from your own perspective i think for a lot of people who maybe aren't kind of aware of your story that's obviously what we intend to paint here in the best of our abilities but like if you want to maybe take take us back to you know your birth your early days of your childhood, what was so, you know, what were the challenges about that? What was so unique around that? Uh, that would be great, CJ, if you can. Yeah, Richie. Um, yeah, so uh, I was born with uh, one arm and no legs. Uh, I was the first one born in Ireland with my condition. So obviously a big, big shock to everybody at the time, no less my parents who had no mm. idea. My mum's a nurse and, you know, they'd been through all the scans and, you know, nothing showed up. And yeah, it was... It was really, really difficult. Like um, they didn't, uh, they didn't know what to do. You know, it, it was just such a, such a big shock for them. Um, but you know, I think they, they did an incredible job at uh, at dealing with it and setting me up in life. Um, you know, I suppose my earlier days, um, I wasn't really aware of my disability. Um, things were a lot simpler back then. And yeah. I was well able to keep up. And, you know, I obviously had great friends. Uh, you know me since I was, I think, seven. Isn't that when you came into the school? I was, what was it, second, <laughs> third, third class, yeah, dancing on tables. <laughs> so that would have been yeah, around yeah, yeah, eight yeah. or nine, class. yeah. Misses on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I think in, in my earlier days, I wasn't so aware of my disability. You know, as I said, I was well able to keep up. And it was probably then in the teenage years that I started to notice that, you know, that I was different, that there was a lot of things that I couldn't do. Um, obviously, you went to an able-bodied school. I, I would have been the only, um, you know, person in a wheelchair in the school. And, you know, when you lads all started playing rugby and going to parties and, you know, doing, doing this, that and the other, I suppose I, I felt a little bit uh, left behind. And, you know, I, I, I did struggle with my disability then, started to feel, you know, quite down on myself. And, you know, then I suppose when, when I found uh, table tennis, uh, I, I never really looked back after that. It was kind of a sport that, that made me realize that, you know, for all the things that I, that I couldn't do, that there was a lot that I could do. And, you know, then I, I, I suppose, like, 
it was you guys, you know, you, you guys were playing the rugby and I obviously knew that that wasn't an option for me, but, you know, I saw the joy that it brought you all and, you know, I really wanted to be a part of it. I, I couldn't be a rugby player, obviously. So, you know, I remember I, I started, uh, I started off playing wheelchair rugby. That was the first sport that I ever tried uh, competitively and it was a lot of fun, uh, but I wasn't very good at it. And, you know, me, I'm quite a, quite a competitive person and yeah, fiery competitive. Uh, you know, I, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. And you know, I remember then trying out a few different sports. I was uh, at a summer camp with my brother in UCD and you know, table tennis was it was it was the only sport that I could could beat my brother at, you know, and I felt, oh, I I got to give this one a go now. This yeah. is, I like this, you know, this is something that I can I can be good at, you know, something that I can use, you know, my disability to my advantage and you know, I never really looked back after that and you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the success that that I've achieved in table tennis has definitely translated to other areas in my life, and so I think it was that point was a really really key uh, point in my life. You know, for me anyway, dealing with my disability, obviously there's been there's been a lot of challenges, and there still are even today. But I think my hardest uh, you know my hardest times dealing with my disability would have been when we transferred over from the junior school to the senior school. There's a lot more students, I suppose. I wasn't as um, I suppose well in it took took a little bit of time to get used to the whole change i'm sure for for you as well and for all the lads it was a big change from our small little class whatever it was 25 to to 100 in the in the senior school and you know going to all the different classes and you know i did feel a little bit of left left behind and yeah i think it was it was once i got got involved i think people are a lot uh, nicer than they seem you know and i think we were particularly lucky with with the lads we had in our year. I mean, we, like, well, I myself anyway feel that I was blessed really. And, um, you know, cause I, you know, I have a lot of mates that are with disabilities and, you know, they would have, um, you know, undergone a lot of, of bullying and, you know, that was obviously never an issue for me. You guys were, were always there for me. Um, but, you know, I still obviously felt left out at times and that can't be helped, yeah. you know, when I compare myself to, you know, the likes of you and, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of our mates are, you know, rugby players for Leinster and Ireland, you know, these guys, were, they were some of my best friends and it's really difficult for me to, to compare myself to, to that. And, you know, I suppose I felt a bit useless, you know, I, could, I, I didn't have a sport, you know, I couldn't go to any of these parties. I couldn't, couldn't talk to girls, couldn't even, you know, get out of the house, <laughs> enough confidence to get out of the house and, yeah. you know, have a drink with you all. But uh, thankfully, you know, we, we got over that. And I think, you know, the, that I owe a lot to, to table tennis for that, you know, it really, it gave me the confidence and it, it really, you know, made me believe that, yeah, I might be able to, I not, might not be able to do one thing, but I can find my own way of doing it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And even after 27 years, don't worry, I still struggle to talk to women. So uh, you're not, you're not the only <laughs> not one <easy>. there. <laughs> yeah, it's a minefield, but it, it's interesting that you say a lot of those things where, and it is a fair point, talking about the junior school to senior school because there's a huge amount of different elements like in the in the junior school you're in the same class all day same yard senior school you're in a different class every 40 minutes you've got breaks you've got extra curricular activities other responsibilities and all that different teachers blah 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 and it, it yeah no it actually does definitely make me think that there is a huge adjustment there to be made and as you said like everything got amplified like say from a rugby point of view that was a huge culture within the school uh, it's a great thing obviously about the school it brings everyone together mm. blah 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 but did you find like that like at that stage was there a particular time whether it was say in first year and I know you said that there was 
a huge amount of help. There were so many friends there. And I know even sometimes I probably said too many stupid things in one class that made you laugh too much and maybe got you in trouble because you couldn't stop laughing. Okay, just... You got me in a lot of trouble over the years, Richard. <laughs> I know. So for that, I do apologize. But I couldn't what... control myself. No, and I, I can never forget, and I'll have to bring it up, was the, the history class, the infamous history <laughs> outburst where it obviously started with me, a certain history teacher asked uh, if the homework was done, and I obviously hadn't got it done. I was like, no, I don't have it done. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's just great. And then he's like, who else has not got it done? And slowly but surely, everyone put their hand up saying, no, 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 by a few exceptions. And he just, he broke. And he started screaming. And I remember, I remember looking back to you and you had that nearly like burst tomato face where you're just trying not to laugh. And then eventually just burst. Yeah. And he's like, get out, get out of the class. But yeah, that was, that stemmed from my lack of a- academic ability, would say. But to, to get back on track to what, what I was meaning to ask you, you said there that, there was a lot of comparison and even today myself and I'm sure loads of people will compare themselves to coworkers, to other people in social media. You can always see something that you could be doing that you're not. But at that early age, as you said, there was a lot of stuff going on from a sporting point of view. We were going to parties, all that type of stuff. So was that something that initially was like the biggest challenge for you? Say like on weekends, you knew that people were going out to other people's gone, houses yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Wes was the thing back back in the days. Yeah. Well, yeah. you didn't miss much. That was a blessing probably in disguise. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> probably not, probably not. The clubs are better in Avar, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know, I, I suppose like, yeah, to look at it, to look at it positively, um, like, you know, when you guys all started playing, playing rugby and I, obviously, as you said, it's a, it's a big part of the school. Like it was, like it was pretty much every day after school, wasn't it? Yeah. No, so it's like, much, yeah. you know, well, what do I do at that time? You know, and like that, that was something I really struggled with. And it was for nearly a year, I think. It was probably around, you know, from the age of 12 to 13. And, uh, you know, I knew that I had to find something, you know. And obviously, you, you know, you, you know yourself back then, I wasn't very good academically at all uh, either. I didn't have much of an interest in the earlier uh, years of the senior school. It was yeah. only really when I when I started getting in, getting involved in table tennis that I felt you know why don't I give the academics a go as well? But so I really had nothing. You know, I wasn't really interested in in uh, my homework or, or whatever else. And you know when you guys were all playing rugby, you know, I was just I was going home to my mum and dad, and you know I knew that something it needed to change there. You know, and I don't know what made me. Um, try it it was probably you know my mom and dad encouraging me you know i, I would have had no interest in summer camps um with my brother um but i yeah. remember that summer uh you know going up to ucd and i, I would have tried out a lot of different sports like i said wheelchair rugby wheelchair basketball you know swimming i, I actually couldn't really swim at that stage but you know now i, I really like swimming but uh yeah. you know I, everything i tried you know i i wasn't really interested in that because i wasn't like i could say that i was doing it but i couldn't couldn't really do it very effectively and you know, I suppose I you probably another thing, you know, about me, I don't have very much patience and you know, when I found table <laughs> <laughs> um, when I found tail tennis, you know, it was I felt like I'm not gonna say I'm a natural tail tennis player because I'm definitely not, but I felt that it was just such a suitable sport for me, you know, and my disability. 
I felt I loved the mental side of table tennis. I really liked that, you know, I could be clever and outthink my opponents and kind of, you know, take the take the disadvantage away from myself. You know, obviously I'm at a disadvantage physically to someone yeah. if I'm playing playing an able bodied person, but you know, I can play really, really quick uh, close to the table and play quick and sort of take the time away from my opponent. And, you know, that's something that I can do. And that's something anybody can do regardless of their disability or their age. You know, if you're not very good at moving, well, you gotta, you gotta play close and put the pressure on, on your opponent straight away. And, you know, with things like that and the, the whole strategy of table tennis and, you know, how complicated it is and, you know, how many different ways there are to play, you know, I've developed my, my own unique style. I, I kind of, uh, I understood pretty quickly early on that, you know, I, I couldn't play the, the game that, you know, most most table tennis players play, you know, the fast topspin game from back far from the table. You know, I, I can't can't really move very well, obviously, in the wheelchair. I'm playing with my brakes on. And, you know, I just loved that, you know, that there was a way around that, you know. Um, whereas I think with other sports like wheelchair rugby, you know, I'm never I'm never going to be as fast as someone with, with two arms. You know, I'm never... Yeah. You know the way I, the, the, I suppose I, I just love the mental side of, of table tennis, and I love that there was there was different ways of playing, and you know I felt that I could adapt to that best, and you know I've no regrets looking back. Uh, you know a lot of times I question why I chose table tennis because you know obviously it's a it's a minority sport here in Ireland, and you know other sports like swimming and athletics do get an awful lot more support. There's a much better setup. There's a lot more people involved, and you know that's I suppose something that's hard for me. You know there's there's not so many people involved in table tennis full stop in Ireland, but certainly not in the in the Paralympic uh, area. And you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's very difficult to motivate myself. It's very difficult for me to organise training. Um, but you know, for all all the disadvantage and for for all the things um, that have that have went against me, you know, I, I just love the game and I just couldn't bear to give it up. I've thought about it so many so many times, and you know, I'm just I'm happiest when I'm playing and. You know, I'm I'm really happy and I'm proud of of the progress that I've made over the last few years. But I still feel that there's a lot left in me, and you know, I feel I owe it to myself and the sport to to see it out and reach my potential. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's great to obviously hear that, and I think everyone, and this goes back to every single athlete I've spoken to or someone related to a sport or a high performance business or culture is like there is definitely those days where you do have doubts and you're like am I good enough is it worth this why am I getting up early doing these hours of practicing and stuff like that and I I I sense it nearly there that you were looking you mentioned there like you tried rugby and other other types of sports but you found that with table tennis there was obviously the talent point of view. There was the physical point of view. There was the mental point of view. And like, I even remember rocking up to UCD after I used to play table tennis when I worked in the school every day. And I thought, you know, if I can beat the best students in Michaels, you know, I know CJ, he's practicing a lot, but you know, I'll, I'll take care of him. And I think I won the first point up in UCD and I was like, ah, oh, CJ, you see more practice needed. And you proceeded to absolutely destroy me then for the next uh, several games. But that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at there is in like, there wasn't any limitations there for you. You'd found a game that, you know, you could, you could be on a level playing field. You could yeah. be in control of exactly what you're capable of. And did that, by actually being able to do that, that slowly but surely seemed to, like, as you said, like elevate you and bring confidence and bring in new opportunities to your life. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and even in Ireland, then you know, when okay, I, I would have trained for for a couple of years, and you know, that, then it was, you know, it was really brilliant. I, I started to to play able-bodied Leinster League, you know, um, and you know that was something that I never thought would be possible for me yeah. to actually compete with able-bodied people, um, you know, with with no no uh, rules barred, you know, no on a level playing field. I was able to compete with no limits, and you know, that was what I always wanted to do, and. I think it's the only way as well in Ireland. Obviously, a lot, um, the majority of my practice would be with able-bodied um, players. Um, but I think, you know, that's really, really, it's something special about table tennis. I don't, I don't think there's many sports that, but I could do that anyway myself, you know, like if, if I'm trying to swim. Uh, and I, I, I love swimming as well. I, I swim quite a lot. But, you know, if I'm trying to swim as fast as an able-bodied person, well, it, you know, it's, 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 it's never going to happen. But I think it's just really, really nice that I'm able to punch you know, above my weight and in, in, in table tennis, I think it's 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 a very interesting sport like that. There's lots of different ways of playing and and finding a way to win. That's that's what I love about it. And yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably the the biggest thing that that drew me to the game. You know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good one. You know, and it, it deserves a lot more. It's it's one of my big goals. You know, in the future is to try and boost that profile and improve development um, in Ireland. You know, for table tennis, I'd love to see more people playing. No, absolutely. And just even before we go into nearly your escapades of the last year or two and a lot of the exciting things that have been happening, the other side of your life that obviously maybe isn't as covered as much as like the post-school life where, for those of you not aware, because Colin's probably going to be too humble to not brag, but like you were you were a brainy type of guy. You did very well in the leaving cert. You were good at studying while I was probably over in the corner annoying someone not doing what I should have and obviously paid the consequences down the line for that. But you did very well. You got through college. You were working for KPMG, I believe. And like, yeah. at what stage are, I suppose this is nearly a double question, like what? how did you find that whole experience of working for you know a big company and then ultimately making that decision where, you know, I'm going to put that on hold and ultimately pursue this, this table tennis career. I, I absolutely love working, you know, I, I loved um, the independence of it. I love making my own money. I loved learning. Um, yeah, it was really, really good. And, I mean, the doctors, uh, I remember they told my parents, uh, my mom and dad, when I was born that, that I, you know, I was never going to work, that I'd need full-time care my entire life. And, yeah. you know, to think then that I was, that I was able to get up at, you know, six, six, seven in the morning, some mornings, you know, get ready myself, go to the gym before work, do a full day's work and then play table tennis after work. I think, you know, I never thought that I'd be able to do that, if I'm honest. Um, Half the people you know, I know so, wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it, it was it was incredible. You know, I, I worked in KPMG for two years uh, in the actuarial department, like, and obviously very, very difficult. Uh, trying to uh, trying to work and trying to study at the same time. I'm sure a lot of our mates know all about that. It's it's not easy. And then when you're trying to play table tennis on top of that, it's, it's just it's, it's it's too much, you know. But uh, you know, I learned a lot from my time in KPMG, and you know, I definitely I, w- I want to get back to work. Uh, that's something that I'm certain certain about. It's something that I've missed the last two years. Um, but I suppose. Um, I made the decision uh, to leave work uh, around the time that I was reclassified. Yeah. Um, so I suppose for the for the listeners that don't know, yeah, tell them uh, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paralympics, it's classified on the severity of your disability. 
So the wheelchair table tennis classes go from one to five, one being the most uh, physically disabled and five being the least physically disabled. And I was classified into class two at the age of 13 and presumed that it was something that was never going to change. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I won the European Championships uh, in 2017 and I was up for a reclassification the following March. And, you know, nothing could have prepared me for what the, the doctors told me on that day. Um, and it kind of sounds like nothing. And, you know, a lot of people, when I say that I was reclassified, it's like, oh, well done. Yeah, you know, um, promotion. <laughs> <laughs> promotion, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I knew what the news meant immediately. You know, your man said to me that, oh, we're sorry, we're, we're going to have to move you up into class three. And, um, you know, I knew that, well, firstly, it meant that I was going to be competing against athletes that were considerably physically stronger than me. Uh, I was going to lose my funding. I was going to lose my ranking. But worst of all, you know, at this stage, uh, even having won the European Championships in 2017, I'd missed the Rio Paralympic Games by one place, which I was obviously dev devastated about at the time. And, you know, now I was number four in the world and I was like, I'm going to Tokyo. This, this is my dream. You know, I'm going to go for gold. Yeah. And, um, you know, to have that taken away from me in, in an instant, um, you know, my, my qualification hopes for Tokyo 2020 were seriously in jeopardy. And this was before the games were postponed. Yeah. You know, I, w I went from number four in the world to like an absolute cert for Tokyo, like uh, someone who's aiming for a medal to like number 29 in the world or whatever it was, which is someone who's well off qualifying, you know. So it's, it's very hard to put into words. And, you know, I don't want to... Um, go on about it too much because uh, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard and I'm sure a lot of the lads have heard me uh, bitching and moaning about it uh, yeah. for um, for a long time but um, it was it was probably one of the most probably the most difficult things I've ever had to deal with you know all all that I've achieved and all that I've worked for you know I felt that they were taking it away from me and you know I listened to, to Ross Ross's podcast last um Last week, and he, he he talks a little bit about you know proving people wrong, and you know at this stage, I felt uh, you know that I'd proved everybody wrong. I'd won the European Championships. You know, I think a lot of people thought with with my disability and with being from Ireland that I was never going to make it to the top in table tennis. And, you know, and I I just done that. I literally I I'd done it about a, a month or two, and then they put me in a new class, and suddenly I was average Joe again. You know, and uh, that was really really hard to take. Like nobody can really fully understand what that is. It's such a unique uh, thing to be told that you're not disabled enough for the class, even though, you know, I was born with one arm and no legs. And now none of that has changed regardless of if I've gotten more mature if, or if I've, if I've gotten stronger, if I've worked on my physical, none of that changes the reality. And, you know, everybody thought that I was a class two at the age of 13 and, and now suddenly I'm class three. And it's, it's been one of the most difficult things uh, that I've ever had to deal with. But, Having said that, um, there's been a lot of positives that have come out of it. Um, I feel like I enjoy the game a lot more now. It's a lot more of a challenge, obviously. Uh, when I was reclassified, I realized very quickly that I had to become better. I had to challenge myself in new ways. And in class two, I, you know, I suppose I got a little bit of a comfortable and quite protective of what I had. You know, I was, again, well, I was one of the best players in the world. I was on, I was on good funding and I felt like, God, I've, I've got quite a lot to lose here. And, you know, I suppose I was young at the time, obviously, and I, I kind of looked at it quite negatively. I felt like that I just needed to hang on and that I'd get there eventually. And, you know, I, I was I was just, I was so afraid to lose, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, it was nothing more important. I, I didn't care if I enjoyed. I didn't care how I won as long as I won. And I wasn't challenging myself. I didn't want to even try a new serve. I didn't want to develop my, my forehand as my weaker side. If I could play every shot, the back, every shot with my backhand and win the match, I didn't care about my forehand. And I think it, with, with that sort of attitude, you know, you're, you're never really going to progress. You're never really going to make it to the top. You're, not, you're certainly not going to be the best you can be, regardless if that's number one in the world in, in class two. I'm confident that I would have got to that anyway. But I wouldn't have ever got to my best. And, and that's, that's the big key. And that's something that I've learned in the last few years, that it doesn't matter how I'm, I'm measured I know that I'm 10 times the player that I was in class two, even though I was number four in the world and you know, I was European champion. And, you know, I think I was hands-on for, for a medal in, in, in Tokyo. But um, I've obviously, I've come back from Tokyo now. Uh, I haven't won a medal. But I'm, I'm really happy with, with how I perform and how I prepared. And I know that my performance in Tokyo, you know, against the, there's quite a big difference in level between class three and class two. And, you know, I know that if I'd stayed in class two, I never would have been able to compete with these guys the way that I did. And, you know, I'm, I'm really confident that if, if I just need a little bit more time, you know, that was, that was the biggest thing that was so difficult about the reclassification. Like it came in 2019 and that's obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but that's, that's no, why I'm, I gave I enjoy it. Rallon's rant for a reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I see that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, well suited to me then. Mm. And, um, so you know, it was around that time then that I that I decided I I couldn't I couldn't work anymore. You know, I had to I had to up my training. I had to had to go over to Germany. I had to go over to France. I had to even go to China, and I just felt that I wanted to commit 110 percent because it's just not good enough anymore. I'm not I'm not happy to be number 29 in the world, and you know I don't care where wherever it takes me. I want to know that I gave it my all, and so that was more my my I made my decision. It was a it was a tough decision at the time. If I'm honest, like looking back, it was a no-brainer. But I suppose at the time I was, I was on a good salary. You know, I was getting better at my job. I was comfortable enough. You know, training two or three or four times a week. You know, pretty chill and you know, raking the money from Sport Ireland. And you yeah. know, I felt that I was I was coasting. You know, and I gave up a lot. I suppose uh, giving up my job and then you know losing my funding with. Uh, Sport Ireland after being recla- reclassified, um, it was all a big sacrifice. But you know, I'm I'm really really happy with the progress I made. I, I feel I've come on a really long way. Obviously, the the game's been postponed. Uh, I know it was hard for a lot of athletes, but for me, I suppose it gave me that extra year, and I felt that I used that year very well. Um, I've changed a lot of things about my game. You know, my racket and the rubbers that I play with. I've ch- I've changed uh, my wheelchair my seat back, my posture and everything has changed. And, you know, I know that I'm, 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 I'm twice the player that I was back in, uh, back in 2017, regardless of how many medals I'm winning. And, you know, I feel like I still have a long way to go. I'm still, still yeah. learning, even from Tokyo, you know, I, I've learned that, you know, I'm sitting a little bit too high and, you know, I know there's little adjustments that I can make to my game that, that can get me over the line. You know, I was, I felt I was really, really close in, in that last 14 match. Uh, you and a lot of the guys probably were, were following the score. You know, I, I went 2-0 down to the Russian. He's one of the best players in the world. And, um, you know, I came back 11-3 in the third set and I had 6-2. And I shouldn't have let that lead slip. I let it slip. I, yeah. lo- I lost 3-1. But, like, I'm very much in that match. You know, a better start. 
or even uh, closing out that fourth fourth set, and we're going into the fifth set. You know, the the odds are in my favor, and you know, it's things like that that I need to work on. I don't, I don't really need to reinvent the wheel anymore. I'm I'm happy with my game, but I just need to be you know 110 percent focused when I'm there. Obviously, the the occasion probably took from my attention a little bit, even though I felt that I coped quite well with all of that. Uh, being a table tennis player in Ireland, I suppose I'm not really used to to playing in front of crowds. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, so that did take a little bit of adjusting. Obviously, it's nothing like what it will be in Paris, so I better get used to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the world will be a different place, hopefully. But um, yeah, it was an incredible experience, and I learned from it. And you know, I'm really it's it's given me my motivation back because I think the biggest thing that I that I missed, uh, you know, throughout COVID and the lockdown was competition. You know, that's what what I love the most, and that, that's why I play Tailhand. I think that's why a lot of us involved in sport do what we do is, is to compete, and especially at the top level, it's it's a privilege to have been able to do that. And you know, it's really it's really wet my appetite for more. And you know, I'm lucky as well. It's only a three year cycle now, yeah. and um, you know, that's my correct. season season starts. I'll be starting in the Bundesliga next month, and you know, I've lots to look forward to and to strive for. You know. Yeah, no, and it's it's inspiring how, like, even the the start of you talking there to the end, like you talk about how you had that huge setback with the classification restructuring, we'll say, and like I talk to so many people, and this is work related. This is as you alluded to, even with Ross and the guys who are at high level sports. There's no matter what you're doing, there is going to be a setback. Like no matter what thing you're in you're going to fail at some stage and to sound like rocky Balboa, you just got to keep going on and getting the win at the end of the day and i i've I've alluded this to and i'm sure you've been told this a lot where like you inspire people your positivity is it's unrivaled in some cases but like how i relate to that when i hear that i immediately think to when i was 21 and a half and this is no sob story. This is just for a perspective on the question I'm about to ask. But like, I'm 21, think I'm king of the world, wake up the next day, I'm in Vincent's hospital, type 1 diabetes is at my front door, my pancreas has stopped working, I'm thinking life's never going to be the same, blah, blah, blah. A lot of things, as you alluded to earlier in the podcast, you won't be able to do this, you won't be able to play rugby anymore, you won't be able to do this, that, the other. And... That's when I look back even now at 27, six years on and a bit how you alluded to there with your classification and the adjustments you've made and the challenges you've faced. I I genuinely wouldn't change that. If I could go back to the day before where I was a non-diabetic and I didn't have these complications to deal with every single day, I actually wouldn't take it. I actually would say, no, I actually want this because the challenges I've had to overcome with that have made me better. It's made me more mentally tough it has made me appreciate the little things more and as you said there was some things that you couldn't do but there was a hell of a lot of stuff you could do and i suppose what i'm getting to ask here is because as i said everyone relates to it in different ways and have their own challenges whatever that may be but when say for instance you have your bad days or if it's the classification issue or if it's the the big losses on the table tennis court or whatever it may be like, what's your what's your go-to to give you that lift? Is it simply, I need to get back to the table tennis, play that, that'll get my endorphins going? Or is there a process? Or is there something you kind of think of, you know, and I'm grateful for this? Or is it maybe even a support structure like friends and family? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of all those things. Like, I remember uh, when I was reclassified, I was obviously devastated and I didn't want to talk to anybody for <laughs> for weeks. But, um, you know, after after some reflection, you know, I thought back to, you know, I, I remember when I first started table tennis and, you know, I went over to Germany and, you know, the the guys used to used to call me a tourist, you know, I was from Ireland and, you know, I couldn't really play table tennis, like, let's call a state a state in comparison to them. Anyway, I thought I was good, but I definitely wasn't, you know, and, you know, that, that sort of, that really kind of stuck a chord to me you know I, I thought back to that and it was like those guys didn't take me seriously at all you know yeah and then you know i don't know how many years later four or five years later i won the european championships you know and i really i thought back to that moment you know after after a few weeks of um you know sitting in my bed and crying <laughs> yeah that too drinking yeah yeah, yeah. that probably got me through a bit but um i uh you know i thought back to that time you know then the time i heard the irish national anthem you know, playing in a table tennis hall, like it's not something that I ever imagined would happen. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was that moment that, you know, I've done this once. I've, I've proved everybody wrong once. And, you know, all those people that said that oh, you, you, you couldn't, you couldn't, you won't beat the top guys with that technique or, you know, you're never, you're never going to compete in class two with your disability. You know, it's, you've too much, you're too, too severe of a disability. You're at a disadvantage and, or you're from Ireland, you know, they don't give you the support. Yeah. You know, the you don't parties have, have no chance. <laughs> yeah. No, no chance. And, you know, I did that. And, you know, I, I suppose when, when I encounter tough times, I, I, I try and think back to the, the good times, you know, and the times that I've, I've overcome setbacks and, you know, that really gives me, gives me the strength to go on. And, um, you know, I think, you know, everybody has their has their own uh, version of a good time. Everybody has overcome something. Nobody yeah. gets here. Where, you know, it's like you said. Nobody nobody has a smooth ride through life. No matter how good you think someone has it, they have their problems. And yeah. you know, it's 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 like you said. And you know, when you got your diabetes, you know, it made you stronger. You know, and it made you appreciate the things that you have. And, um, you know, I'm still really lucky I can play table and as a sport, you know, there's people like, I'm, you know, I don't have to look very far to see people a million times worse off than myself. And, you know, it, I think it, it was, it was my mum and dad as well, which have obviously been a massive support support for me, never mind when I was born, but even onwards continue all the way through my life. They've always been there for me. And, you know, that's the way that they looked at it, that I, you know, that I have to be grateful that I've proved so many people wrong that, you know, who would have ever thought that I'm I, that I could live the life that I live today? And you know, it's and then I suppose it's the mixed with that is the the belief that you know I've I've done this once I've I've won the European Championships once and okay now I'm measured differently I'm in a I'm in a new class but you know I just I've had to reinvent myself and you know it took time it took me I don't know how many years uh, five six seven years maybe I, I was playing when I won the European Championships and. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. I, I always knew the Tokyo 2020. You know, I thought, to be honest, that maybe I could prove everybody wrong straight away. I could win a bronze medal. Yeah. And I felt that I feel that I'm at that level. But I knew that it was too soon. You know, I, like I, I didn't have a full cycle. I, I didn't have enough time to prepare, um, especially not in my new class. I haven't played a lot of the, of the top players. But, you know, I'm learning all the time. Um, and I feel I'm, I'm progressing all the time. And, you know, I really believe that, if I keep going the way I'm going, I'll, I'll get to where I want to go to. I think my biggest strength, you know, for, for everything that's, that's went to get against me, you know, for all my bad habits, for, you know, living, living in Ireland here, playing, trying to play table tennis, but wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I'm always thinking about table tennis. Like 
I'm, I'm absolutely obsessed. It's my biggest passion. I'm always trying to find a way to be better. And, you know, I really do believe that I can make it to the top. And I think, you know, not many, not many athletes, not many players have that belief yeah. in themselves. And, you know, I'm not the best player. I'm, I'm definitely not good technically. I have a lot of things, a lot of faults, a lot of, a lot of things are not good about me as a table tennis player. But I do have the love for the game, the passion. And I do have um, that belief that, that I can be one of the, one of the best. And yeah. that, that's what keeps me going, you know, and I, and I, uh, it's like what Ross said. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm desperate to, to prove that to people. Yeah. No, here, here to that. And as you said, you've done a, a pretty good job up until this point And hopefully in a few years time, we'll maybe unretire the podcast so I can talk about your next big <laughs> like win. <laughs> but with regards to the Paralympics, it was, it was some journey. And as I said, like there was people chatting in WhatsApp groups at ridiculous hours on Mondays and Tuesdays being like, Oh, he's winning. Oh no, he's losing. Oh, he could have won that point. Oh, did you see that winner? And it just people, people who would never even dream of being up that late, let alone watching table tennis were glued to their screens or else watching live updates if they couldn't get it, which was great to see. And like Amazing, that was yeah. that was just my circle. I'm sure all over Ireland and people you knew were doing the exact same. And for some are aware where there was qualification to the Paralympics where you fell slightly short on that, but then there was an invitation that eventually got you to compete over there. And as you said, there was ups and downs over with your experience. There was some regrets, but then there was also the kind of hindsight of saying, you know, those small margins – I maybe was a year too early for me, but, you know, I still had a shot. There was still an opportunity there where, you know, maybe if I took my chance, I could have gone that extra uh, round or I could have even gone further into the competition. But how do you reflect on that? Because as as we said before we went live on air, you've had a holiday. You've had time to think about things that are not related to table tennis. You've (laughs) had time to think about the good and bad times you've experienced over the last several months. Like what do you collect from that whole experience because as you alluded to it's definitely overall been a, a hugely positive experience yeah yeah no for sure i'm, I'm glad that i had the, the holiday before the, before this interview it probably would have been a very different answer yeah different perspective um but yeah i mean what can i say like from from the the day we took off it just even for me being part of a team you know that was really really special even and, and i felt that in the airport in dublin you know, we were, we were all, you know, we were taking pictures together. I was even meeting some of the athletes for the first time. Uh, I suppose being a table tennis player can be quite lonely at times. And uh, a lot of the times it's, it's just me and my coach, sometimes just me, yeah. uh, that, that, you know, the travel away and, you know, to be part of such a, such a big team, such a, such a high level team, so many great athletes, you know, that, that already re- really motivated me to, you know, prepare my best in, in those final few weeks. And, you know, then when we got over there, um, we went to a holding camp in Narita. So we went out to Japan quite early. So Narita is a different city to Tokyo. Uh, we were staying in a nice hotel and, you know, we had perfect training conditions. And, you know, even just being part of that, having the meals meals with the team every day, kind of sharing our experiences on the training, you know, what our plans were. Like, that was absolutely incredible for me. And that's not something that I've ever had. Uh, it's usually just, you know, me and my coach yeah. talking shite around the, <laughs> around the, like the rest table, of us, you know, mind you. Slagging each other, you know. But um, 
like it's just so interesting to hear other people's perspectives and you know that's that's really made me grow i've I've learned from that and uh it's really it's really motivated me you know some some of the athletes some of their performances over there you know it's really given me the belief that you know what you know if they could do that in a country like ireland you know that maybe don't get the best support in the world you know that you know why why can't i do it and you know i think uh, being part of a team, uh, certainly at the holding camp, that was the, that was the biggest thing for me. I, I felt really, really good going into the event, and I was really, really looking forward to it. And you know, then I remember getting to the village was kind of surreal. You know, seeing all the different flags, all the different uh, countries. You know, so many different people, all walks of life, all parts of the world, with different disabilities. You know, hanging out at balconies and yeah. you know cycling along the road. Like it was just absolute chaos. And this is all, uh, you know, during COVID, like, bear in mind, we've hardly, hardly seen any people in, in so long. And, you know, that was just absolutely unbelievable. You know, I remember taking pictures at the, at the, the Paralympics logo and, you know, just going down the, the street with all the flags and, you know, then, uh, then the beds, the cardboard beds and uh, with Tokyo 2020 on them, you know, all of it is just like, it's hard to put into words. I think, like I know that the the Olympic Village was quite literally a bubble this time, a COVID bubble. But yeah. I do feel like it, it's in any year it's probably a bubble from outside the rest of the world. It's hard to it's hard to explain it. It's like you feel like you're in a different place, a different world, and you know it was really, really, really special and something that I'll never forget. And then going for dinner in the food hall, like absolutely incredible. I've never seen a place like it, you know. Yeah. Um, but but I think my 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 favorite part was. Um, you know, when I started training then, you know, in the, in the Metropolitan Gymnasium in Tokyo. And, um, I mean, that's the best venue that I've ever played table tennis in. Like, that, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, uh, in Ireland, I'm, I'm, I'm very quick to complain about the, yeah, the conditions. Yeah, I could imagine. really substandard, but this was absolutely unbelievable. Like, I, 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 not even me could find something wrong, wrong with it, you know, and I'm, I'm very particular about where you I You sound like I Roy Keane turning up to yeah, that World yeah, yeah. Cup, being like the facilities right. are a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this, this was really, really unbelievable. Like, and I, I mean, I just say it would have been magic, you know, to share with my family and friends, you know, um, but like I said, hope Paris is, is really, really uh, it's around the corner, but uh, playing in that arena, like it was just so hard. To, like it, everything was red. It was just the lights, the table, the bounce of the ball, the feeling. It was just absolutely incredible, you know. And I really, I felt really, really good in the practice day, um, you know. And then I got the draw. Obviously, China probably not the country that you want no. to draw in your first in your first match in the Paralympics. This is his sixth Paralympics, mm. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I, I was in the match, you know. I, it was very, very close all the way. Like he, um, I think experience prevailed in the end. Um, I let the match get, get away from me a bit, but like, you know, I, I was, I was winning at one stage and I, I really had a, I had a chance to, to create an offset, you know? Um, yeah. Like, I think that my first match, I was a little bit nervous. Like, I'm not, not going to lie. I, yeah. I, I, like I try, I had a game plan, you know, I stuck to it, but, I think the start of it, the start of the match is, is, is the key for me, really. I just kind of, my attention, I lose my concentration, I think, in the earlier parts of the match. And I let that match go away from me. And then uh, you guys might have heard after that, it was absolute madness. Uh, my next match against the Brazilian 
uh, opponent. Uh, he actually failed a drug test. So, yeah, no, we saw um, was the, the, yeah. <laughs> there was complete confusion in the WhatsApp. They're like, yeah, Colin's not well, playing. I'm still confused about it, you know, and I don't want to talk much really about it because I actually don't know the the details. But uh, it was just such a shock to me, you know. And I, I was disappointed about it. And I, I'm not like I'm not uh, being funny about that. Like I uh, yeah. I didn't travel like uh, across the world, you know, to to sit in my bedroom watching Netflix. You know, I was exactly. Uh, I, re- I really wanted to play, and you know, I felt that this was the match that I could win. You know, um, but I was, you know, I was disappointed I didn't get my opportunity to play that match. I think it really would have stood to me in in my next match against the Russian in the last fourteen, and uh, against the Russian, you know, he beat me in Slovenia in the semi-final and so I know him quite well he likes to shout a lot I'm sure you guys might have seen that on the yeah. news he's, saw the videos saw the opponent. photos <laughs> um, yeah yeah what do you think of his hairstyle <laughs> <laughs> no comment <laughs> not the best <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I mean this was a really really good match like I played probably my best level ever um, it was really really close and you know I'm just kicking myself uh, 6-2 in the fourth set he did two unbelievable serves that I barely touched the ball. And, you know, it could have been such a different game, you know. And I, I just wish I had a play for that fifth set. And, you know, I dreamed of a quarterfinal match and to, to fight for a medal. But it wasn't meant to be. You know, I lost to the better player in the end. And But I, I was there, you know. Even if I look from my performance uh, two months previously to him in Slovenia, like a, he won uh, 3-0 very easy. I wasn't really in the match at all. And, you know, I was, I was leading in the fourth set. I had a chance to even things up and you know I didn't take it but and it was like these little things that I talked about uh, earlier on like I know where I went wrong and I know where I can improve and that's what I have to do if, if I uh, if I'm to compete with these guys at the top level like there's I think the biggest thing uh, about being in my new classification is like the margin for error is just tiny like you, you just you can't afford to have a bad start you can't afford it's not it's obviously never impossible to come back but in my old class, I, I always backed myself 2-0 down. You know, I had so many bad starts, but I always managed to find a way to win. And, you know, I haven't quite got to that point in class three, certainly not against the top players. But, you know, I'm finding my way. I'm, I'm getting closer. And, you know, I'm really confident that next year I can I'll start to push for top 10. And, you know, Paris, you know, I'm hoping to push for a medal. That's, that's my goal. Yeah. And I, I can I can even sense it, not only with your words, but like your you're driving that disappointment but you're also flipping it in such a way where there's a huge amount of positives you're taking from that where you're like i've learned a huge amount and that will drive you on short term and then also towards that paris goal of yours and i was i was chatting to even ross about it as you you alluded to there like is that ultimately where your mind stops is paris like is that the big the big goal and then obviously take little goals in between that like the future for you is that what it looks like yeah i mean i think so i mean that doesn't that doesn't mean that paris is going to be my last game i mean you know absolutely how much yeah. just getting table started uh, you know i'm uh, you can you can continue on a table now there's lots of good players that are that are older you know but i mean do i think that i can peak in paris yes i mean i think that i'll be at the pinnacle of my career i hope for for paris uh, 2024 so yeah I absolutely would plan to peak in Paris that doesn't mean that it's going to be the last but uh, I think yeah like you said I'm not thinking far beyond Paris uh, there's obviously LA 2028 and Brisbane 2032 pretty yeah. cool places but uh, you know I think Paris will be amazing the world will be a different place and 
you know, I just, um, yeah, it's, it's like you said now, the goals in between that, you know, I've got Bundesliga next month, you know, it'll be really nice to get back competing. Irish competitions are going to start again next month, which will be great to have them back. I don't need to travel to go to them. I've really missed them. Um, and then, you know, I'll have more international competitions next year and, you know, hopefully qualify for the World Championships, maybe even fight for a medal for that would set me up very well for Paris 2024. But, you know, I'm aware that like three three years, and it's less than three years now, it, it's, it's not that long. It's not no. a very long time, you know. It's, it's a lot shorter than five years anyway. Yeah. And, um, you know, I uh, I know I need to be ready. I can't, I can't afford to waste time. But I'm very clear on what I want to do and what my plan is. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I suppose it's like what you said, you know, that disappointment of losing in, in, uh, in Tokyo 2020, like, that was really, really hard. Like I didn't talk about that very much. Like I, obviously with COVID, um, you know, you're you're not really able to enjoy the the, the games experience. Like uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, like before, you know, like Rio or London or whatever. And like it was, it was quite, it was very hard. Like you know, I, I don't, I didn't want to be sitting in my in my bed watching that quarterfinal match. You know, it was again. I actually would have been playing against one of my best friends in the quarterfinal. You know, I would have been given anything to be there. And, you know, it's, it's not what I want is to be watching these matches or certainly not even watching the final. I went to the, to the arena for that. Um, you know, there really wasn't much to do after, after, after I lost. And, you know, I suppose I got quite down. And, you know, that's really, really given me the, the motivation. It shows to me, you know, how much it means. You know, I hadn't had that feeling. You know, I hadn't lost in, in a long time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like what you said before. I think a lot of the time, it's a, a lot of the time is that's the losses that, that we learn the most from. And, you know, when I remember back to class two, you know, when I was winning and, you know, I wasn't really listening to anybody. I didn't care, you know, and that was a very bad attitude that I had. And, you know, I was young, obviously 19. And, um, you know, I felt, well, I'm winning like, so I don't, I don't really need to worry about much else. You just go through the motions. But, you know, you, you really question yourself when you lose. You really look to ways uh, to improve. And, you know, that's what you have to do, win or lose. You have to always try and be your best. And, you know, that's what I'm going to try and do for Paris 2024. And, you know, I've, I've, after that experience in Tokyo, I'm, I'm really clear on what I need to do and, um, to make myself peak in Paris and to, to fight for that medal. Be the first for Ireland. That's the dream. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, uh, hopefully the dream that comes to the fore and we get to see it in a few years' time. But, no, listen, like Colin, as I said, there's there's so much to unpack there and I do obviously want to thank you. There's a few quick-fire questions here we'll plow through to finish off, but no, that's that's more or less it from me from a, a serious point of view. And for anyone listening, I'm sure they can take a lot from what you were chatting about and then also to keep an eye out for you because as you alluded to there, if it's not, say, if you look at, say, women's sport, that's been huge coverage over the last couple of weeks with the success, even in the golf there as well. And then, as you said, with relation to the Paralympics, there's so many different athletes that every time I looked at the Irish Times, it was either yourself, it was other athletes constantly getting praise and constantly getting the support and traction needed. So if anyone wants to keep an eye out for you, I'll plug all the social medias. Do not worry. And sure, it's Thanks, my friend. Every, everywhere I look on Irish Times 42.e as well. The big events are getting covered, which is great. But I just want to thank you first and foremost for just being honest and being upfront there. It is, it is definitely something that a lot of people will enjoy. And then to follow up on that, 
there are a few silly little quick fire questions we need to polish off before I can let you go and enjoy <laughs> oh, the rest of your Monday. <laughs> I should sign off now. <laughs> yeah. So this one is it's quite controversial. I haven't actually asked it for a while, but your favorite teacher in St. Michael's. Hmm, that is a difficult one. Junior school and senior school. I'll just say senior school make it somewhat less difficult. Mm. That is a good question. Like best crack I'd say we had was it was probably with like uh, you know Bomber or you know Robbie O'Flynn or one of those yeah. lads. Um, best teacher probably Jason Kelly. Funniest class. <laughs> oh, that, that's got to be like uh, Mrs O'Neill, maybe Miss Cosgrave. What do you think? Oh, Miss Cosgrave, Mr. yeah, Kenny's for Spanish. Right up there. I'd say Miss Cosgrove for Spanish. There was an, <laughs> there was an energy in that room that was yeah. it very it was much. About- Half of the people were doing ordinary level and had no interest in learning Spanish. Well, lads like yourself were like, we're trying to do honours here. Can you stop just screaming at people? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I would say. Well said. And if you have a pump-up song before a big game or a big training session, whatever it may be, what is that? What's your Mm go-to pump-up song? Eminem. Uh, lose yourself and what's the other one that I listen to? Um, you probably know it. Um, there's a few. Help me out here. I'm trying to. There's yeah, Drop yeah, yeah. the World, Cinderella Man. Um, and they're all they're all good. There's lose yourself and there was there's one other one of my go tos. You know the song. I'm, I won't I won't sing it here now. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, lose yourself. We'll go I there. Like that. That's that's, that's the ultimate. Before my match in Tokyo. Good stuff. And what's your favorite film of all time? Oh, it's a good question. Um, yeah, I think it's between two. And, you know, maybe I I think Forrest Gump is right up there, along with Shawshank Redemption. Forrest Gump, I love it. And, you know, I watched it recently. My dad, actually, and, you know, obviously the tale, <laughs> the little part about tail yeah. dance made me a little bit biased there. But they're my two favorites, yeah. Two great films. I don't think anyone will dispute that. No. If you go and get a coffee, what will you be ordering? Well, I'm on a diet now. I've gone fat after my holiday. Screw <laughs> diets. Uh, I don't care black, about diets. Americano. A what? Okay. I'd take a black Americano or a flat white, depending where you are. You know, I don't like to chance the milk in some places, you know. I'd, I think Ireland, to be honest, like, I'm going to go out and say, like, Ireland does not have good co- coffee. Like, you know, I've just come home from Croatia. Like, like it's a different it's world, different. and it also it's a third of the price. Like, yeah, the price like, is getting not ridiculous. Agree, like, like, no price Italy, is getting ridiculous. Croatia, Spain, like I mean, you're paying one euro for a coffee, and like it's much nicer. Like, firstly, the coffee is too hot here. You know, yeah, like, you know they burn the beans. I'm sorry, like <laughs> we have Colin George, Paralympic athlete and coffee expert as well. Our critique, I should <laughs> no, say. I'm a big fan of coffee. But, but I agree. I, think it, I agree. No, don't get me wrong, but like the price of it, and they need to take more care. You know, if you're paying three, four bloody euros, four euro and like, three they'd, want, they'd want to get it right. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I know? agree. I absolutely agree. So all coffee <laughs> you know? shops, listen up to that. Take note. <laughs> yeah. So what else is there? What is? So I asked a similar one to Ross the other day. What's the funniest or strangest thing you have seen? on, say, a table tennis table? Ho, ho, ho. Gosh, that is... 
Let me think about that one. Like, I think the most amazing thing, yeah. uh, and I'm sure it's something you've seen, is Ibrahim uh, Hamasu, the guy who plays with his mouth. Absolutely outrageous, uh, yeah. Like, that is, like, I met him and his wife in Egypt, and, I, like, he served to me, and I couldn't receive a serve. Like, <laughs> like, like, that is, so that is, like, the most shocking. Um, <laughs> shocking for all the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, I have to try and think about the funniest one, yeah. It's hard to think on the spot. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things funny. you just laugh at that aren't necessarily funny. Uh, yeah, they aren't necessarily that yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. I have to I have to come back to that one. Do you have more questions? Funny type of tennis. Ah, does it? Listen, there's no huge pressure if you don't have it. But as I said, the stre- for mm. any of those who haven't seen that, you need to look up those mouth serves. Yeah, they are absolutely like, insane. You know, and if if I do think of a funny moment, I will I will tweet it in the reply. Yes, exactly. And last but not least, this is always the tough one. Describe yourself in three words. Three words. Yeah, I don't give you a lot, unfortunately. No, no. Hmm. Happy, resilient, and friendly, I'd like to say. Yeah, I'll vouch for those. I'll give you a reference. I'll write you up a reference on those three. (laughs) But Colin, no, listen, first and foremost, I want to thank you so much for coming on. As I said, this is... Pretty much the last roll of the dice when it comes to the podcast, having guests on. So it was great to chat with you. As I said, some of the stuff I've chatted to you about in the, what, 20 years I've known you, I've got new insights and new things to, you know, appreciate. And yeah, I just want to wish you all the best. As I said, we'll definitely be keeping in touch and wishing you all the best in the upcoming competitions and your journey towards Paris and hopefully beyond. But yeah, as I said, thanks just for being honest and open with your experiences and your opinions and yeah all i'll say is good luck with the future and hopefully the coffees improve thank you very much reggie i hope so too and it's been an absolute pre- uh, privilege and pleasure uh, to, to be on and i really appreciate you giving me the the opportunity absolutely and thanks for listening everybody no problem anyway take care Colin. thank you